I'm hitting my AC. Don't mind me. Well, good morning. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, we want to continue. I love seeing the little ones. Amen. God, multiply them greatly. Amen. And some of the parents said, not through this. No, we, we did our share. Amen. Make <laughs> another group. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Whew. My goodness. My goodness. I mean that. I mean that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm going to be there. I don't know about anybody else. They're coming today. I've been around certain ministries like that. I've been around. If you didn't see two, three, four um, blind eyes open, you didn't have a good night. And I believe God is going to do that again. He's going to raise that thing back up. It's nothing for the Lord to get a people that will pay that price. Because I'll tell you, when you begin to see people get out of wheelchairs, you'll be amazed how many people get saved. When people begin to see, wow, this thing is more than just a lot of talk and religion. This is real. Then it's amazing how hearts are smitten and lives all glory be to God. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 6. And we are in a short series on this most important topic of being a man or a woman of God. And Paul writes, verse 11, But you, O man of God, Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything. And of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful testimony we heard this morning. We are a grateful people to know that your promises are yes and amen. And that you have put us in a family. That we're not left alone to try to walk this walk of faith. But we have brothers and sisters that we can lock arms with when the trial comes. And we're thankful, Jesus, for your name that's above every name. And we're thankful, Jesus, for your family that we can walk with and we can receive encouragement from. Now, Lord, through your word, stir our heart. Let the Holy Scripture speak to us. Let the Holy Scripture inspire a fresh devotion within us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, We're talking about the marks of a man or woman of God. In our text, there is a, um, a title or a description that the Apostle Paul gives to his young son in the faith, a young pastor by the name of Timothy. And it's something that we should really all desire and strive for, and that's to be known as or called a man or a woman of God. Now, the title is meant more than just to describe Timothy. It's meant to inspire Timothy. 
And our prayer is as we study the Word of God, we'll hear the voice of the Spirit inspiring us to reach, to walk in this place and to live life in such a way where we will not just be those that go to church. We will not merely be people that are religious, but people will recognize there is a man or there is a woman of God. They walk with God. They're serious about the things of God. They pray and they hear and there are men and women touched and used by the hand of God. The verse begins, verse 11, our text begins, but you, but you. Paul says, Timothy, but you. And he's contrasting him to those that he just mentioned, those that were the false teachers, those that were men of materialism, those that had fallen away and drifted or wandered from the faith. And he is contrasting them. And we've said every time we preach this that there should be a clear difference, a clear distinction between men and women who love and serve the Lord Jesus and those who don't. There should be a clear difference between those that love Jesus and aren't ashamed of the Gospel than those that are doing their own thing. Our lifestyles, our speech, our affections, our morality, our stewardship. He says, but you, oh man of God. He says, you're not like them because you belong to God. Timothy, you're not like those. You are special. You've been redeemed by the blood. You've been made alive by the Spirit. And you've been commissioned by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Timothy, you're not like them because you belong to God. You're God's possession." You are Christ's ambassador. You live for heaven's cause. Your life represents Jesus in how you live, and how you walk, and how you talk, and in how you function. And there's four things that we've been gleaning as we walk through these handful of verses. Four things that should mark such a man or such a woman. Number one, the man or woman of God is known by what they flee from. What they flee from. He said, flee these things. They're a separated breed. They're governed by the Word of God. Therefore, they walk according to the Holy Scripture. They love not this world, but they're passionate about pleasing their God. What they flee from, but what they follow after. They're men and women that pursue a righteous life. They pursue an obedience to God. They're known by what they fight for, what they stand for. Paul says, Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. Men and women of God are known for what they stand for. Some people stand for nothing. They stand for whatever way the wind blows. But this breed of man and women, this breed of believer, they are firm and they are secure. They know in whom they have believed in. And they have taken their stand. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And they stand firm and they fight the good fight of faith. And lastly, they're known for what they're faithful to. Where their loyalties lie. They, they, they love their Lord. They, they, they are faithful to His cause. They love their family. They're given over to care for them and defend them. We're in point number two. We're known by what we follow after. For being a man or woman of God is more than just separation. It's more than just the thou shalt nots. But the man or woman of God makes intentional effort to grow in the faith, to mature in the Christ-likeness. There's a developing of Christian character and practice in their life. 
Again, this, this, this breed of believer is not satisfied just to make heaven someday. They strive to live faithfully and wholeheartedly for Jesus this day. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he lists six characteristics that God wants every one of us to strive for, to develop in, and to faithfully practice as we live this life. He says, but man of God, flee and pursue these things. And it's written, literally, keep on pursuing these things. Make these goals a continuous, lifelong endeavor as you walk this pilgrim walk. Number one, he said, pursue righteousness. And we've covered this, righteousness. Now, Timothy was a saved man. He is a born-again man. So the type of righteousness that Paul is addressing here is not the positional righteousness, which we would call being saved, uh, becoming right with God by faith in Christ. Timothy's saved. He's put his faith in Christ. He's been born again. So the righteousness that Paul talks about here is what we call a practical righteousness. It's a living it out. It's now that you've received it, now live it. If you're saved, live like you're saved for heaven's sake. Come on, say amen. This is what righteousness in this context means. It means in relation to both God and man. This man or woman of God makes every effort to live right. To do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. To live according to the Holy Scripture. To allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to govern their lives and their morality. For we know as believers that Congress is not the ultimate authority of right and wrong. That the Oval Office or our peer group's majority is not the ultimate authority of right and wrong, but it is written, it is written is our creed. It is written. Is that which governs our steps and tells us right from wrong, good from evil. We pursue righteousness. Now we said in times past, it's not always the easy way, but it's God's way. It's not always the popular way in this morally warped world, but it's the way that will get heaven's blessing and heaven's approval and heaven's prize. Jesus Himself, He said, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst, that seek, that pursue righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The blessing and approval of God goes upon men and women that are not just saying, I'm righteous because of what Christ did, but they pursue to live out that life living obediently, living with integrity, living with proper morality. Again, Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. If you want the blessing of God in the here and now, then begin to live righteously. Order your steps righteously and let God bring you along. Number one, righteousness. Number two, godliness. Paul says, Timothy, you're a man of God. Men and women of God have certain characteristics. You, you can tell them. There's certain identification marks. One is they're righteous. They live righteously. But second, they're noticed by godliness. Godliness. While righteousness has to do with our outward actions, godliness has to do with an inner awareness of God. It's a God consciousness. Barclay put it like this, the reverence of the man who never ceases to be aware that all of life is lived in the presence of God. And as we develop this, it greatly affects 
all the other areas of our lives. As we have a God awareness, a God conscious, the fact that God is here, it increases my holiness. It increases my confidence. It increases my usefulness. It increases my holiness. When I recognize God is here, boy, that inspires purity and honesty, integrity, consistency in speech and in action. But also when I recognize God is here, it gives me strength and courage to face life with a new boldness and a new confidence. When I recognize God is here and God is with me, He is at my right hand. I will not be moved. Be still and know that I am God, that I'm with you. And if God before you, who can be against you? And when a person that walks in godliness, that has an awareness that God is with me, man, they can face things that others cannot face. They can go through things others cannot do. Not because in themselves there's something, but they know the Lord my God is with me. The faithful one is with me. The name that's above every name. He is my shepherd and He orders my steps and He holds me in the hollow of His hand. I have an awareness. I might have to go through the surgery, but I'm not going to go through it alone. I might have to go to that divorce court, but I'm not going to go through it alone. I might have to face things that cause others to flee and fail and give up, but I know in whom I have believed in and He's with me and He's for me and I recognize sure the presence of the Lord is in this place. Godliness. But thou, old man of God, if you have a God awareness, your mouth will get cleaned up. You won't be gossiping so much. Ooh. Someone says, get him back to his notes. He gets dangerous. He gets off them notes. I'm just helping you apply this book. You know, sense an amen. And if you can't apply it when you get home this afternoon, say amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Awareness of God consciousness helps me in my holiness. Helps me in my confidence. Helps me in my usefulness. When I have awareness that God's here, it creates a a greater alertness within me to speak a word in season, to help, to work, to testify. When I recognize God is here, I can hear the voice of the Spirit more clearly saying, you give him something to eat. You step in. You speak up. You trust me and work in this area. But thou, O man or woman of God, you're known by what you pursue. You're known by what you go after. Be known that you pursue righteousness and godliness. And now, number three, you are a pursuer of faith. This word faith is faithfulness, fidelity, loyalty, as well as confidence and trust. This is the virtue of a man who through all the chances and changes of life, down even to the gates of death, remains loyal to his God. You see, faith is simply confident trust in God for everything. We trust in the Lord with all our hearts. We lean not on our own understanding. This involves loyalty to the Lord. In an unwavering confidence in His power and in His promise and in His plan and in His provision. This life is characterized by a courageous and consistent faith or trust in God. The man or woman of God is someone that has a faith. They pursue faith in God. 
Faith in the Word of God. Faith in the Son of God. Faith in the living God. The Almighty God. The unchanging God. The everlasting God. And faith in His Word. For this God has spoken. And His promises are yes and amen. Faith in the Word of the living God that shall never pass away. And we that know Him, we can declare, if our God said it, then we choose to believe it. And that settles it. Faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the only Savior and Redeemer of men, the only way to heaven and everlasting life. Let's pursue faith, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not pursue doubt. Let's not pursue fear. Let's not pursue unbelief. But let's pursue faith to grow in that faith, to develop that faith, to exercise that faith, that God might work in our lives and God might demonstrate in a greater dimension. We know that faith in the Bible is an action word. Faith in God describes this man or woman and it's an action word. For faith without works is it's dead. It's not existent as far as God is concerned. But God says it's time to resurrect some faith. It's time to stir yourself up and believe Me and trust Me and stand boldly upon that Word. Faith is a demonstration. It's an action. This person lives out their faith. It is seen in lifestyle. It is seen in accomplishment. It is seen in victory in this present hour. Let us choose to use our faith and to trust completely in our God and to stand firmly upon His Word. I read this last week. It kind of, well, a lot of things get me chuckling. Under the heading of decisions, I read the line, the easiest thing to decide is what you would do if you were in someone else's shoes. I read that. I said, yeah, I know a lot of people like that. They got all the answers for somebody else. Amen. And then I know a lot of other ones that like it that way, but they don't want to make a choice about nothing. But I'll tell you one thing. I found out through these 50 years, the important choices in life you've got to make for yourself. Mommy can't make them. Daddy can't make them. Uncle so-and-so can't make them. The important choices in a person's life they must make for themselves. Whom will you serve? What will you do with Jesus Christ? Will you serve Him and how will you serve Him? But for those of us that know the Lord, we have to make a choice that we're going to trust God. And we're going to believe God. And we're going to be men and women that are noticed by our faith. What are one of the things we're looking, we're looking, what, what kind of duck is that? A lot of ducks have been in the pond lately. What kind of duck is that? Well, we can tell what, what characteristics do they have. Is it this kind? Is it that kind? And you can look at a believer and a lot, you can tell what kind of believer they are by the characteristics. They're going to be righteous and they're going to pursue godliness and they're going to be men and women of faith. They're going to be known by men and women that believe the book and stand in the book. They're not falling apart every time the stock market goes up or down. It's always going up or down. But their faith is built on a rock, Jesus Christ. A solid foundation. Therefore, they are solid as they walk through this world. But as men and women of faith, by faith, number one, we live. It is our lifestyle. It's not just what we do on Sunday. It's how we live 24-7, trusting and obeying and believing God. For we walk by not by sight. And it's by faith that we achieve and we advance and we accomplish 
It's by faith we fight the Lord's battles and we do the works of the Lord. It's by faith we carry forth the plan and the commission of our Savior. It's by faith we go about the Father's business. Hebrews 11, 33-35, speaking of those men and women of faith that God inspires, He says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, They gained what was promised by their faith. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. I love that. They became powerful in battle. And they routed foreign armies. Weakness was turned to strength. They escaped the edge of the sword. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It'll go on to say that that some actually, they, they saw their children raised back to life again. Men and women of faith. Men and women that believed God. And through their faith, they conquered kingdoms. Through their faith, they gained the promise. They didn't just think about it. By their faith, they quenched the fury of the flames. And by their faith, raised back to life again. Maybe you're here today and there's someone in your family and they're spiritually dead. They're spiritually strayed. And they need to be brought back to life again. I urge you to use your faith. I urge you to stand firmly upon the promise of God. I urge you to stand up and say, Devil, you're a liar. Regardless of what everyone else's grandkid does, mine will be saved. Mine will come to know the Lord. And mine will serve God in Jesus' name. The exercise of that faith. See, it's by faith that this type of man or woman accomplishes the works of God and lays claim to the promises of God and even routs the enemies of God. By faith we live. By faith we achieve. And we advance. And we carry out the calling and the commission of our God. It's by faith we do what others won't dare to do. It's by faith we're not stumbling by you cannot. Instead, we've heard God say, go and I will be with you. It's by faith we're not moved so much by what we see in the natural, but we're moved by we seeing Him who is invisible and putting our trust and our confidence in Him. It's by faith that even in this present world, through all the trials and tribulations, through all the setbacks and mistakes, even in this present world, it's by faith we live as more than conquerors. And we live victoriously in this present world. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. This is the victory. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Listen, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're able to be an overcomer. If you put your confidence in His Word, you're able to overcome the spirit of this age, the deceptions of this age, the entrapments of this age. You can live in this present fallen world and live as more than a conqueror. You can be victorious in Jesus Christ. The Bible says everyone born of God overcomes the world. In fact, this is the victory that has overcome the world Even our faith. When we put our faith in Christ, He elevates us to a place where we can walk and not grow weary. We can run and not faint. We have the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling within us. Therefore, we can stand when others fall. We can sing when others are giving up hope. Why? Because we know the Lord. We walk with the living God. We will have no fear. For the Lord our God is with us. And in His name, we will put our trust. 
Hallelujah. What's that next verse say? Who is he that overcomes the world? Any overcomers here? I mean, some backslide every other week. I'm looking for overcomers. Amen. I mean, I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to get to heaven victoriously. Isn't that right? Listen, when you go, when we bury you, please don't make me have to stretch my integrity. I'm tired of the tie going to the runner deal with some of these people. When we bury you, let there be no doubt. They didn't just go to Pleasant Grove. That was a man of God. That was a woman of God. They walked with God. They walked separated from this world. They grew in things like righteousness and godliness. They were men and women of faith. They were men and women that walked in the love of God. They knew the gentleness of God. They had the endurance of God. They finished strong. They weren't falling away. We hadn't seen them in 20 years. Oh, they probably weren't saved then. I'm going to finish strong. He that endureth to the end. My Lord, that's in the book. We're going to get to that next week. But oh, hallelujah! Make up your mind. I'm going to overcome in this life. That don't mean it's trouble free. In this world, you shall have troubles. But be of good cheer, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. And if He's overcome, so can you. But thou, O man of God, flee from all these things and pursue, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, love. Wow. That man of God is known by walking in the love of God. That's not always easy in a world that hates us. That's not always easy in a world where if you live truth, you're going to take some shots. The reason we don't take shots, we don't live in a lot of truth. I mean, we live one way here and another way out there. But when you start living this thing, mm, who is he that overcomes the world? Only he, only he, only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Oh, glory. Oh, my Lord. That's the cry of this preacher's heart. Not just churchgoers, but men and women of God. Men and women that are passionate and sold out for that which is eternal. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Paul says, Timothy, pursue love. Pursue love. Pursue to exercise. And release the love of God that is within you. You see, this, this, this God love, this agape love, is a love that sacrifices for the sake of others. It seeks to give and not to gain. It's a love that chooses to love. How many of you know that some people, it's not natural to love? You've got to choose to love. Come on. You work with worldly people all day long. They're not all easy to love. The man or woman of God is characterized by the love of God working in them and flowing through them. This is a love for God and for others, both believers and non-believers. The man of God understands the significance of our Lord's words. Matthew 22, 
37 through 39. Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, and He says, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, in all your soul, in all your mind. We're recognized. The man or woman of God, one characteristic that, that is noticeable in them is he wholeheartedly loved the Lord their God. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Jesus, this is the first. This is the greatest commandment. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. And the second is like it. The second is connected to it. The second can't be separated from it. And it's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. My goodness. I've had some neighbors that weren't easy to love. I've had some people in that job that they, they weren't easy to love. But because the man or woman of God is a lover of God, the man of God loves those who God loves. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now, when I hear things like this, typically my first response is, well, I can't enter into that. But God says, hang on. I've made it such that you can. What are you talking about, Lord? Well, because the love of God has been, if you're saved, has been. This is a past tense deal that has a present right now application. The love of God is poured out within the heart of God's child. Through the Holy Spirit, it can then flow out of God's child to others. The Bible teaches us that actually once we're born again and the Spirit of Jesus comes within and makes us a new creature, from that moment on, we actually possess the love of God. And it's our choice as we walk in obedience, as we yield our will to do what God would do, that we release the love of God. Romans 5 and 5 and Romans 5 and 5 puts it like this, that the the love and hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts. It's something God has done. It's not something that will happen one day when I get glorified. I am far from glorified. My wife said, Amen. I am far from glorified. But yet the Bible, but the Bible says that already this, if Jesus is in here, if His Spirit is within me, then the love of God has already been poured out into my heart by the Holy Spirit. So if I got it, guess what? It's up to me to release it. That early church was known for a lot of things. If you read church history, they were known for being a separated people. They lived holy. They made that Roman, they couldn't figure these people out. They couldn't they, they stick with one woman. They, they weren't like that Roman cesspool of sin. No, no, no. This one, till death do you part. That was rare. That was rare in that wicked world. Oh, yeah. They, they treated their kids different. Back in that day, oh, kids were like property. Father didn't like the kid. He could have him killed. No, no, no doubts about it. These Christians came along. They were different. They didn't go to all these temples. They didn't do things for a business deal. But also, they were known as a people of great joy and love. While they're going to what we call the guillotine, when they were going to the place of execution, 
historians, secular historians write, they would go singing the praises of their God. They would go loving their captors and being kind to their oppressors. Oh my. Paul says, Timothy, if you're going to be a man of God, yes, you live right. Yes, you have a God awareness when you live. Yes, of course, you're a man of faith, but oh, God is love. And not only do you love God with all your heart, you must love those that God loves, and He loves the world. And there's no way you can do that, Timothy, apart from the Spirit of God within you, but God has poured out His love within you. So you are capable of loving people that seem unable to be loved. You're able to reach out to people that are so abused and defiled by sin and wickedness that the love of God that's been poured within you can overpour into the lives of others. Oh my, oh my, oh my. But thou, O man of God, if you want to be more than someone fun to barbecue with, someone that comes out on the holidays, you want to be known as a man or woman of God, then you need to pursue righteousness and godliness. You need to pursue faith. You need to pursue love. And I'm going to pause on this last one and we'll have to pick up there next time. You will be a finisher if you're a man of God. If you're a woman of God, no one's going to wonder where where they've been the last 20 years. Because you'll be where you've always been. Through the good times and through the bad. You're going to honor His name. You're going to honor His house. You're going to live by His book. Can you say amen? You're going to have an endurance quality. Jesus said, He that endureth to the end, he shall be saved. Paul said, I have finished the work. Oh my, oh my, oh my. And there is an enduring quality in this breed of believer. And through all the temptations, the trials, the tribulations, the hard times, the bad episodes, this man or woman continues to love God and to serve God and not shrink back from pursuing God. This word endurance, it means sticking to it when things get rough. The man of God is a finisher. They will have obstacles and setbacks. They will know heartaches and tears. They will have opportunity to turn back and maybe give up, but they will have none of it. Their faith and their devotion to Jesus Christ is settled and it's determined. They're resolute in their convictions. No turning back in their spirits. If they fall, they get back up. They confess it and they march on. If they stumble, they do their best to learn from their mistakes. But then they grab hold of that mercy and grace of God and they walk and they walk on. Mottos, mottos. Hallelujah. The man or the woman of God will stick to the task, remain faithful to the call, no matter what. Endurance is a quality of this breed of believer. It's not that they avoid things. They go through things like everyone else. But they go through them and they still love the Lord. They stay faithful and committed to the Lord. 
If we're going to finish this race as God wants us to, we must develop an enduring spirit within us. Because there's temptations that will try to drag us back into that world. We read about that in the book. There are trials and tribulations and things that will so dishearten us that if we give in to that spirit, we'll just want to give up and say enough of this if we let it. But there must be an endurance to finish the race, to complete the task, and even to receive and embrace God's blessing. We're going to develop all that next time. And we see all these things in the life of the Lord Jesus. He is our great example. He is the patterned son. And Jesus was recognized by many things. But one of the things sometimes is overlooked. Jesus endured. Jesus endured. They called him names and he endured. They lied about him and he endured. People that he healed and set free left him, but he endured. It's an enduring quality. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And the Bible says to us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. Get rid of the things that are holding you back from doing the will of God. Just get rid of them. It's a whole lot easier to run without that backpack on. Get rid of it. And let us run with perseverance, endurance. Right? Perseverance, endurance. The race marked out. Looking unto Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus was a finisher, but He had to endure to finish, didn't He? It wasn't easy for the Son of God, but He's an example for you and I. He endured. He had to endure to do the will of God. It's not just finishing and going to heaven. It's also about doing the will of God on the earth while you're here, doing what God's called you to do. And it's not always easy because the enemy will try to discourage you and hinder you. But Jesus, in order to do what He was sent to do, redeem mankind, He had to go through a cross. He had to go through a rejection. He had to go through a betrayal. But He endured. If you want to enjoy the blessings of God in your life, there might be some roofs of opposition you've got to tear through. There might be some unjust judges. you just got to out-endure them until that blessing comes. And if you want the blessing of God, Jesus learned this. The blessing was your soul and mine. Your life and mine. But He endured the cross, scorning the shame. He sat down at the right hand that you and me, all who will, could come to Him. But it took endurance. It took, we're going to develop this next time. If I'm going to be a man of God, I must have an enduring spirit. Because there will come things in life that will tempt me, that will wound me, that will offend me, that will afflict me. And if I allow them to, they'll make me give up on God, give up on God's best, give up. Come on, say amen. Amen. Things happen in this life that are confusing. Things happen in this life that you say, Lord, why? And if you allow that thing to get to you. But the man or woman of God, they're noticed, recognized by an enduring spirit that regardless of what comes against them, they keep loving the Lord, they keep seeking the Lord, they keep serving the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to pray the prayer. And then we're going to open the altar. When I pray, if you're taking part in the water baptism, you'll be dismissed when I begin to pray that you can go get changed. And when I get done praying, if you want to come and pray or if you need prayer, 
the altar workers will be here to pray with you. It's my desire through this series of messages as a pastor. My heart yearns. The Bible says that the Great Commission is not to make a bunch of decisions. Because a lot of those decisions, quite frankly, we don't really know what their condition is. But it's to make disciples. Wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. And that's my burning desire. To see men and women grow up that are on fire for Jesus. That love the Lord and serve the Lord are willing to give their hearts, to give God their very best. And this is very much what Paul is talking about. But thou, O man of God, if we, on, if we want to walk with that description upon our lives, then we must be willing to do the things the Scripture instructs us to do. We will flee some things, but we will follow and pursue some other things. And I pray that our hearts will stirred that we will never be satisfied, content with merely being churchgoers or even, you know, saying a sinner's prayer. But we will have a hunger and thirst for God that will cause us to live wholeheartedly for Jesus and live this life in that measure. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please, as we pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we love You. We love You. Lord, we thank You that if we desire to hunger and thirst for You, You said we would be satisfied, that You would honor it. You said if we seek first Your kingdom, You'll grant us those things. You'll honor such a life. Father, in Jesus' name, help us not to be content with just being churchgoers. Grant us a sincere desire and hunger to be men and women of God to pursue righteousness and godliness, to grow in faith, to walk in love, to have an endurance and a gentleness about us. Now, Father, we thank You for Your Word. And we pray, O God, let us be diligent seekers of these attributes and grant us, O God, that spiritual hunger to pursue that growth and maturity. And Father, I pray that You would just... Give a fresh measure of grace. I know there's some people here today and they want to do better. They want to go forward. Sometimes it's hard and sometimes there's stumbles. But Father, I pray for a great spirit of encouragement to come upon your people. That even if they kind of fail, they're not going to give up and listen to the lie of the devil. They're going to get back up. And they're just going to receive your grace for you're full of mercy and grace. And they're going to keep pressing on. Lord, I pray for a Blessed and enduring spirit would come upon every person that's here today. A perseverance that refuses to give up, but will continue to press forward, to overcome the things that have tripped them up in the past, to get victory over the things that have crippled them in the past. And to really enter a new season of their spiritual walk. A season of a much greater measure. A spiritual strength and growth and fruitfulness. Father, we love you. And we are so glad for all that you've done in our lives. We are so thankful, Jesus. How you shed your blood for us. Lord, we're thankful. And we don't want to live lives like we're in gratitude. We don't want to live lives 
that seem to take for granted all that you've done for us. We want to respond to your grace and mercy by serving you wholeheartedly and doing your will. So Lord, I pray that in the sound of my voice that men and women hear the call of the Spirit to stir themselves up and to begin to believe God and trust God and press closer to God and make up their minds and be determined. They will walk in that special measure. They will be known as men and women of God in Jesus' name. Now, Father, at this altar, breathe your life. At this altar, let your power flow again. Men and women come to pray that lives be touched let lives be changed in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, His altars are open. Let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, come and God will touch you. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. Thank you.